Hey folks, welcome back to another Timmins podcast. I'm your host Timmin, and this is my podcast. Awesome conversations with awesome people, and uh, honestly, whatever I want to get into, that's that's the deal of this podcast. And so today I've got something great to get into. But before that, let's get into some business. Uh, you look stressed. Let me tell you, you sound stressed. You feel stressed. You look stressed. And I've got a solution for you, and that's Quiet River Massage and Revival in Syracuse, Indiana. Thank you so much, Jasmine, for sponsoring today's episode. Guys, get yourself over to Jasmine. She's got magical hands and will definitely solve any of your stressed issues. And uh, life is so much better when you're relaxed. In 2024, let's all just be a little bit more relaxed, please. Can we please be a little more relaxed? Please. So, uh... I could tell you all about her, and I've I've definitely had multiple multiple massages from her. She's top notch. But um, let me give you a quick testimonial here. This is from Lori. Lori says, "From the moment you walk in the building, you feel the transformation begin. Your body starts relaxing from the quiet decor and lighting, and Jasmine's gentle voice and spirit." Then Jasmine works her magic. My back and shoulders hold my stress in knots and lumps. She patiently and methodically works on all the areas that are needing her expert attention. Yeah, Jasmine's an expert. You definitely should go check her out. Quiet River Massage and Revival. Um, Links are going to be in the show notes below. So click on those. Book now. She's got uh, new hours. So 9 to 6 weekdays except for Wednesday. And then Friday and Saturday, 9 to 1. So great times to get massages, get your day started right. So thank you, Jasmine, for sponsoring today's episode. Let me talk a little bit about today's episode, actually. I got to sit down with one of the coolest, Goshen, uh, First Brethren in Goshen's pastor, Austin Kaufman. Austin and I go way back. He's doing some really cool things. I love his passion, and uh, we're similar, similarly aligned on uh, maybe education and as well as homesteading. I love what he's doing with the the land he has and um, how he thinks about education. That was really uh, impactful to hear, insightful to hear. And so we had such a good conversation. I asked him a bunch of different questions, get to know him a little bit in this next segment. So you guys will definitely enjoy. So Austin, hey man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I definitely had a blast and uh, yeah, definitely enjoy my conversation with Austin. Welcome, Austin. Thanks so much for uh, joining me today. Um, this is going to be a fun time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Have you, my first question before we even start anything, have you ever been on a podcast before? No, never. Let's go. Not once. Dude, you, you have a, like you said, a face for podcast. No, voice <laughs> for right. podcast. <laughs> uh, I've known you for a while. And I was trying to think back to like when we probably officially met. And I think it was when my dad was worship pastor over at Jefferson. Yeah, that'd be right. I think you guys all sat kind of in the front row yeah. there with your mind. Yeah. But yeah. then our wedding would have been the next, I think your younger brothers maybe were there, but I don't, I don't know if you came to our wedding. Yeah. I don't think, I don't have a memory of that. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of the start of the the official uh, uh, connection yeah. there, but yeah, the hangout. Wow! Did you grow up going to Jefferson? I did. Yeah, my family, um, my grandparents. So I went to church with my grandparents at Jefferson all the way through, and then it was probably when I got my license that I started going to youth group in New Paris, hmm. just because some buddies were there, and then that I started uh, leading worship at church 
that church for a while. Then I shifted back to Jefferson with your dad and was playing on worship team with him for a while. So yeah, that's I kind of right. hopped around, but yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I thought it was... Jefferson was home base. Yeah. I thought it was worship that you connected with. So. Yeah. Yep. That's so cool. Well, first off, I mean, well, yeah, we did the first stuff, but tell everyone who you are, where you're from, what you do, all that fun stuff. Okay. Uh, so Austin Kaufman, I grew up in Millersburg, but greater Goshen area. Uh, I've got a wife, uh, Carissa, and we've got four kids, a fifth on the way. Um, so, yeah, I guess I've kind of done a lot of different things. Uh, ministry's always, well, I shouldn't say always. When I was in high school, I thought I was going to be a choir director, so I kind of headed down that path for a while, but mm. then uh, was called to uh, be in the pastoral ministry. And trying to do that while also we got married young, uh, we started having kids young, uh, we always kind of pieced together what a uh, livelihood looked like. So I ended up uh, auctioneering shortly out of uh, high school. So I was a licensed auctioneer and worked for a, a company in out of Middlebury, and that was a lot of fun. But uh, they started growing like crazy, and so we traveled a lot, and that wasn't great for family. So I ended mm-hmm. up backing out of the auctioneering and putting more of my eggs in the uh, ministry basket. I taught at um, uh, Clinton Christian School here for a while in Goshen. Uh, it was a great experience, and um, yeah, so now I'm um, I'm the lead pastor at Goshen First Brethren Church right downtown. Been here for year and some months, um, maybe year and a half or so. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm involved kind of in the homeschool community, doing some teaching some homeschool classes. Um, got an interest in education in general, um, and how that kind of melds together with the church. Uh, we do some homesteading. We've got a small one-acre farm, lots of chickens right now, some sheep having little lambs born all over the place. That's and awesome. So, yeah, we, we do a little bit of all that, and, um, yeah, it's great. I think that's so cool. I have a billion questions already popping into my head here. Fire but, away, one at a time. Uh, let's go to homesteading because that was what uh-huh. you just talked about. With the lambs, what are you going to do with them? What's the purpose? Um, most of those are going to be meat lambs. Dude, that's, so, yeah. that's what I was going to ask, yeah. you know, cause I've been thinking about how, how, how much land do you need for those lambs to live on? Not much. No, not a lot. The, um, I mean, it depends on the breed you got, but, uh, we, we shifted a while ago. We used to, I grew up raising lambs. Um, and we always had the, a wool breed that mm-hmm. was pretty common around here, but then we shifted to this. It almost looks like a goat, but it's not. It's a hair sheep, so you don't have to shear them. Oh. They're like they're bred for being out in the mountains, like that, or that's kind of where they originated from. So they're naturally parasite resistant. They end up having their lambs out in the field oh, in the middle nice. of winter. Yeah, <laughs> they can have like four at a time, so they're great. And then they don't require that much. Uh, actually, we don't. We f- we only feed them grain just so that they get into the barn. Mostly the time they're pasture raised. Wow. And they do really good. So we only have about a half an acre that's fenced in for them, and we've got uh, three ewes and a ram on that. Wow. And they do pretty good. Yeah. So I've been. We have a quarter of an acre, and I've been thinking in town. Yeah. I'm like, what if I guess one? And, and then I don't have to worry about mowing. I just have to make sure the neighbors don't snitch. Or that's right. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's got it. There, there's probably not an ordinance that's that specific yet. Yeah, <laughs> I know. They, Goshen has the the ordinance on. Um, you can only have five chickens. Okay. So you, you have to get a license. Oh. And so, but I have multiple friends who have chickens in Goshen, and they're like, "Don't just get them." 
don't even don't even worry about it, man. We're not worried about it. Just go get them. <laughs> I, I got a I had a friend in uh, unnamed friend in an unnamed mm-hmm. uh, city close to here that uh, that they they got snitched on because their rooster was crowing all the time, which you know there's you don't get a rooster. But then they yeah. they shift. They got quail. Oh. Quail are silent. They don't make uh-huh. a, a single noise at all, and they can raise them for meat. And, yeah, and that's good. They're tiny. They're like it's, they're like basically chicken nuggets. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> you the butcher. Bre- them. You can just the breast, and it's super yeah. easy to butcher. I just went quail hunting two weekends ago. No kidding. Yeah, um, Marcellus, Michigan. Mm, it's called mm-hmm. Rolling Hills, mm-hmm. and you buy the amount of quail. We didn't get them all, but okay. um, I got the majority. Nice. And so then I was able to clean them and. They're so easy to. It was so easy. Really? Will you butcher your sheep? We have um, okay. before, but oftentimes we we just partner with a, a slaughterhouse, and so we'll take it, there. take it there. They'll they'll and then they'll they'll just give us the um, the carcass back, and we'll cut it up. So, oh, nice. Yeah, we do our own. Um, we've always done our own uh, cuts and stuff. Yeah, well, and like hogs, we'll we'll butcher hogs usually really? once a year, yeah. and so we've got all the equipment to do that. Um, sheep are a little bit weird, I guess, like, cause the, there's something in the wool that if it touches the meat, it instantly spoils it. So you have to be really careful in that whole process. Wow. But yeah. So no, we, we don't, um, you keep the wool as well. We've never, never done that. I, I'd like to, that's one thing I told Carissa, uh, down the road, I want to get one of those big looms, you know, yeah. and start like making our own rugs and stuff. But, yeah. Wool sweaters and everything. Yeah. It, I mean, it takes up a room like this size so, <laughs> okay. with, Multiple children, that's not really a yeah. space-efficient option. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah, you just piqued my interest on the sheep. I've been thinking about it. Yeah. Especially when you read the Old Testament, and that yeah. was such an integral part of people's lives. For sure, yeah. Was that... Um, yeah. Something. Not everybody likes the taste of lamb, but it's a pretty... They're actually pretty economical. They're they're yeah. one of the, the animals that convert uh, their grass and feed into meat, and then they have a shorter, shorter uh, raising period. Or yeah. something, right? Yep. Yeah, it's not... Um, I really do love the taste of it. Yeah, so I do too. Allison's not a big fan, but um, I love it. So just season it up. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of rosemary, a little lemon, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, yeah, I w- I would love to know. So you, you know, we I see you once a week. Yeah. Um, for no reason at all. That's We're correct. Talk, yeah, no reason at all. <laughs> but uh, it's been really enjoyable getting to just chat with you. You know, yeah. every every week and and connect and. Um, I love, I've, the reason kind of why I wanted the podcast is I love seeing what you're doing here at First Brethren. And I think it's really interesting that you grew up in the Brethren Church and you're back here at this Brethren yeah. uh, Church and doing cool things. So, um, you want to talk a little bit about how you got here, what that process was, things sure. like that? Yeah. So, um, kind of a weird, uh, turn of events that my, my, great grandparents were actually members of this church. Wow. Uh back in, you know, 60s. And uh they were a part of a group that left this church to go plant Jefferson. Mm. Um kind of a strange And usually they were, they were kind of sister churches. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. 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 So the um I you know Churches can split for funny reasons sometimes, and this one, this had to do something with Sunday school, and I'm sure there were other factors. Um, but anyway, so my great grandparents were a part of that. My grandma was, I think, a teenager when they left to go plant Jefferson. So I grew up in Jefferson, but there was always kind of a connection between. They both stayed brethren, you know, in the same congregation, just or uh, denomination. Um, so I was pastoring, assistant pastor in another church uh, south of Goshen. And we had left that church and we were, I was working in, um, at Forest River doing some 
computer stuff, learning as I go. And uh, then the folks here at Goshen just called and asked if I'd be interested in candidating here. Wow. Um, Was your name like on a list? No, well, not that I'm, I don't know, (laughs) not that I'm aware of. (laughs) Uh, There was some connections between the church that, um, that we had, that I had been at and this church. Cool. So yeah, I'm sure that that's probably how it came about. But um, yeah, so I sat down with them and, and I wasn't, I wasn't totally sure that, um, that that's, I I knew that eventually, uh, you know, just because it seems like the Lord has called me into um, preaching and teaching ministry. So, you know, obviously that takes place place in a church. So, you know, but I, I wasn't sure actually, I think it was, uh, it's the Saturday before I met with, um, the folks here at this church that I was talking with a pastor at the church we were attending and we were talking about, Hey, what does it look like for me to start serving there more regularly? And that was really exciting, but then the Lord opened this door. And so it was kind of a, kind of a neat and, uh, exhilarating time. Um, but I loved, um, the folks here at, at uh, at Goshen first, the, the heart that they had to open up God's word mm. and, um, to, to kind of just go back and, and, um, and dive into, to verse by verse. Um, that's, I'm a one trick pony. So that, you know, that's like, I don't have great church growth mentality or, or um, strategy or anything like that. It's just, I'm going to... Blessing ministry. No. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's Isaiah 55 that talks about the um, that the word of God goes out and it does not return void. It, yeah. it accomplishes that for which it was purposed. And so my that was my mentality. I'm going to go, I'm, we're going to open up the word together and we're going to see what happens. Mm. Um, and so far, there's been some really cool things uh, going on here. Um, you know, and another... I'm, I didn't think I was like a catchphrase kind of guy. Usually that they annoy me. Like, cause I'm like, life is not that simple that you can just like throw it on a bumper sticker. Right. Put in a fortune cookie. Right. And then, yeah. Right. But then you start like centering around some things. So like one thing that, um, has surfaced for me, um, since I've come here is, uh, following Jesus is not easy, but it's simple. Mm. It's not easy. Like there's a lot of hard stuff that comes along with that, but it is simple. And we found that as we walk through verse by verse that there's, pretty similar themes that pop up that say, here's like, here's what Christian life is like. Here's what church life is like. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of keep repeating themselves and yeah. it's like, okay, so it's and here's pretty all simple. the people who messed up yeah, in right. the Bible over and over and over. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And their, and their mess ups are fairly common. Like that's, yeah. you know, imagine that there's, you know, there's uh common struggles for humanity. So yeah, I, that's been a really helpful thing too, that as we've come here, you know, um, I've thought through things like, um, you know, table fellowship. Um, one thing that I think, you know, we miss a lot in the church, but also just in our world is sitting across a table with each other, sharing a meal together, um, you know, talking, talking with each other. So, you know, we started doing more of that. Um, obviously open up the word. The apostles teaching is really central. Um, prayer is another one that, you know, it's funny how, um, central that is to the the faith, and yet how that's one that we kind of assume it's going to just happen in the prayer closet, and mm. then don't have it happen in the church mm. when like most of Christian history prayer meetings were central to, uh, especially when you see revival. Uh, revival in the church oftentimes is centered around prayer. people got together for prayer meetings. So, yeah, prayer is a big one. Um, yeah, hospitality, um, reaching out to folks that way. So, yeah, again, it's it's uh, it's not been easy. There's been some challenges along the way, um, even in the first year and a half, because that's you know you get you get sinners together, which is the church, right? We come together under a common salvation, but we're also sinners, 
And then when you put sinners in close proximity, imagine that they're going to sin. So (laughs) I'm going to sin. We're all going to sin. It's going to become an an issue. So there's challenges. Um, But it still is pretty simple what the Lord calls us to do. So it's exciting. It's cool. Yeah. I really love kind of how you're utilizing this space too. Mm -hmm. Um, I see you doing a lot of different initiatives and working with collaborating collaborating with other ministries yeah. doing things. Yeah, that was um I was challenged uh thinking through things like stewardship, uh giving stewardship that sort of thing um in in seeing the facility as a as a resource that the Lord has given us to steward. Mm. Um I think sometimes we can forget that that the you know and it's uh, this is a catchphrase, right? The the church is not the building, right? It's the people. It's yeah. true. Um but we can we can kind of figure but that then because the church the people uh have a building that the building is only to be used for the people, the people. right um but what if we instead like in the um a great book actually it's sitting over there it's called budgeting for a healthy church hmm. um it it kind of introduced the concept to me using uh the parable of the talents where you know the master divvies out talents and it was uh, it was the servant who took the least amount of risk, and took his talent and buried it in the ground, and came back and gave his master the talent that was his with right. no interest. He was the one that was called the wicked servant. Where the ones that actually the one who took the biggest risk and took the ten talents and invested the ten talents, yeah, uh, he was the faithful servant. He was put over even more. So like and he took the biggest risk. He took the biggest risk, right? And I we might not get this back. Exactly. We we often think stewardship means no risk. Right. Uh that's like that's <laughs> totally absent to that. So, you know, thinking, okay, what what would it look like to um take this facility and see that as a talent the Lord has given us to reinvest into the kingdom? Um so yeah, that led to uh you know, I've got some goals in my mind because the this this church has been here for over 125 years now. Yeah. Um and the the people here have have done a just a stellar job of keeping this facility in great working order. Um, it's I mean it's a great place to be. And so um, how do we then turn a profit on that? Uh, that led to some some conversation with uh, another local church and ministry called Downtown Ministries, um, where it actually started because our parsonage we since we live on our we we own a, a homestead. We didn't need use of the parsonage. So a neighbor said, hey, we've got this connection with a ministry that they house uh, women that are in kind of a tough spot and if they got children. Um, and what do you think about using your parsonage for that purpose? And so we met and we thought, yeah, this is great. Um, but then that led to also using the facility um, for classes and such. So that's been a great partnership. I was going to say, if it's sitting empty, yeah, why not? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean there's still risk, right? Because yeah. when you have people using a facility, right? It, it gets it, used. Right. It gets used, right? There's, especially these days, there's a lot of heating costs and there's stuff like that. But, yeah. uh, you know, we can work that, that stuff can all be worked out. Um, you know, and yeah, there's going to be things that go wrong that we have to figure out, but that's fine. Like, wouldn't it be better for things, uh, to have to be worked through because the building is being used for the kingdom than for it to sit, in pristine shape and empty. Yeah. So that's my, people might disagree with me, but that, I mean, that's my, my thought on it. I love you. You're so, you're so central to downtown. Mm -hmm. Like you're in downtown. And uh, 
it's you see a lot of traffic, a lot of people walking through. You've got the the missions. Yeah. Um, is it the thrift cool? store? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that um, I forget how many. It's probably been around ten years plus. Um, and yeah, the thrift store and it, you know, we are so central to downtown and yet like we're so hidden for some yeah. reason, you know, like yeah. Clint, Clinton street is just kind of like off the beaten path here. Even though I'm staring at the courthouse clock, like a lot of people are like, wait, first brother where? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the thrift store is a great, oh, you're tucked away. Yeah. You're tucked away in the center of everything. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, signage is a difficult thing here. So, yeah. you know, yeah, we, we should talk with uh, Goshen City about a nice, you know, permit <laughs> yeah. for a, a more visible sign. But anyway. Do you like the fair where they shoot a huge beam of light and like circle around? Yes. <laughs> so That's maybe a, a little rough, but. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah so the thr- the thrift store, um, it was that that's kind of a cool ministry that, um, you know, that coming into the church, I've gotten to know how that that relationship, because it's actually a separate entity from the church. It's its oh. own organization. Um, but all the, all the funds, all the profit from that, um, from that organization goes to, uh, fund missions, Mm. both local and global that, um, that the church has supported. So yeah, it's generating, generating a lot of money. Um, and what's really cool about it is, so that money goes and, you know, supports things like the window and Salvation Army, but then also like, um, a Spanish world mission or not Spanish world, but, a um, a, uh, mission in Spain, the Philippines, some other places too That's around cool. the globe. Um, but it's also a service to the community because we've got great clothing, um, great other stuff, uh, lots of stuff that is cheap. And so, I mean, we've got folks from the community that come in just about every week, mm. um, you know, outfitting their kids. We've got a lot of great um, people that donate, good quality clothes. Everything gets washed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're so yeah, that was a, that's a cool connection, um, to the community that that was kind of unexpected at first, you know, at first I'm thinking like, Oh man, it's like a continuous garage sale. Nobody likes doing garage sales. (laughs) It's like, that's going to be a headache. But again, the folks have, have managed that so well. And, and there, we've got great volunteers from the church that, uh, that keep that thing running and really produce a lot out of there. So yeah, that's been a blessing. That's awesome, man. Yep. But um, I went to the Christmas Eve service you had here. Mm-hmm. That was really awesome to partake in. Um, but I've not been to a a normal Sunday service, sure. and so I'd love to hear kind of what um, what that looks like. Are you more in line because we both went to Jefferson Brethren? Yeah. Would it be similar to a Jefferson Brethren, or maybe a different type of church? Or are you taking your own kind of? Sure. What? How is that all? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so my, my thought, I I think from my understanding, there's a lot of variation in the brethren denomination. So I don't think you could hold one. They don't all do it. It's not like Catholic where they all do the same thing at the same time. Right. Right. And that's the, the the Protestant. Yeah. We kind of have a, we have a thing for that. Um, (laughs) yeah. So yeah, I got it several thoughts swirling around my head. Um, one of the things that, uh, I, I, a conviction of mine, I guess, is that like when we gather Sunday morning, that is, that's literally the most important thing that's happening in the world on 10 AM on Sunday. Like Mm -hmm. there, um, and actually it's not just our world. Like it's, it's a, it's a cosmic event when God's people gather together. Um, so when, uh, 
that that elevates that moment for me um, out of everything else. Um, so then, what takes part in that that worship service in my mind? Um, you know, God has called His people to worship. Um, you know, we we can get together and we can think, hey, it'd be a really good idea for us to get together and worship God, and we do that sometimes. But um, God is the one who commanded his people to come and worship him and gave them that, like he took the initiative to call out a people, um, and gave them information about himself, uh, so that they had some idea of what to worship or who to worship or how to worship. So what, in my mind, what fits in that time? Like I'm looking to him and his word to see, okay, how do you want to be worshiped? Mm. God, like what, because if I, if I come up with ideas, like, yeah, we can be creative and we can be, uh, innovative in some ways, but I'm more likely, actually, I'm, I'm gonna get it wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. but if I look to him and I say, okay, what is it that you want us to do? Then that really filters a lot and it kind of sets the tone, sets the agenda. So a little burden off you too. Oh, tons, tons. (laughs) So what that, yeah, what that means, I mean, like categorically categories are not always helpful with, especially in things like the church and theology, because we tend to want to label people so that we can know what to do with them. Um, but I guess if you're going to deal with a category or label, like I lean more liturgical, which means like, I I think that it's good to have a set order, um, for the worship service. Uh, so that, what that means is, um, you know, we're going to have every Sunday, there's going to be a call to worship. And what that, what that signifies is that it is God that calls us to worship. So we're going to read a scripture somewhere from the Bible. There's tons of them where God calls his people to come and worship him. Um, and from that moment on, then my mind is, is like, we're, we're going to stick to what we know from scripture God is pleased with. Um, so things like, uh, you know, singing songs and, you know, singing songs that are, um, that are rooted in God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be things like prayer. Uh, and so like the Lord's prayer is going to show up every Sunday because right his disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, okay, pray like this. Yeah. And I think, right. That's like, it's, that's both a form. Right. And also like, I think it's good to pray that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It's right a blueprint, but then also word. why not do the blueprint? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there's pieces of that that all kind of fall in place and yeah, it does. You know, creativity again, it's really good. And God created us with that mind. That's part of the way that we bear his image is that we're creative beings. Um, but also, uh, when we don't have to be creative and we can just say, you know, God says this is good, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, that's really helpful. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, Sunday morning is um, we 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 pretty much follow the same structure. Um, and you know, like there's some of that stuff. There's places that we want to go. Um, there's conversations that we're having because, uh, you know, Christians, especially Protestant Christians, you know, we all kind of scattershot a little bit on the, on the map when it comes to how we worship and how we want to worship and what we think. So, you know, we're, we're working some of that stuff out here, um, as well. Um, but I'm, I, I love the fact that, uh, that we get a weekly shot at it, Hmm. you know, that it's like, if we only did this like once a month, it would be like so high stress, (laughs) high stress where, you know, I can look and say, Hey, you know what? Um, that part was really great. Let's do it next week. Or I can look and say like, man, that flopped. Uh, yeah. you know, well, let's try again. Um, yeah. 
So that's cool. You do have a little bit of ability flex there too. Yeah, nice. for sure. Um, are you a debtors or trespassers when you do the Lord's prayer? Ah, man. <laughs> well, it's a point of contention in it some is, places, right? It's almost like as bad as the what's the 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 sloppy wet or the yeah. unforeseen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the the one that we we say debtors on Sunday morning, yeah. um, and I think that's only because. Um, I use I use the ESV translation yeah. uh, for preaching and teaching, and that's what I read. Is that yeah? I like it. I like it. Yeah. And I'm 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 in a I'm I'm starting to there's there's another one that I'm flirting with that, <laughs> um, that feels like a really big change. So I'm, I'm not ready to commit to that. But yeah. anyway, so I, I tried to just make that consistent mm-hmm. so that way we kind of get used to the language, and that's what you know ESV says. That's fun. Debtors, yeah, but. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Again, the camps, right? We have, we have our camps. You got the one camp that does this. And the, it's fun because um, we'll say the Lord's Prayer with Allison's family. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you go, it's just great when you get them all together. When it comes to that, there's like almost everyone kind of pauses yeah, a right. little to see what, what someone's going to say. Or they'll all say at the same time. Right. Half the room says this. Yep. Half the room says forgive us our... Yeah. <laughs> 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 we being forgiven of. I, right. I don't know. I don't know. As we forgive our... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell, tell me a little bit about your kind of how you you came to the faith. Yeah. You know, I'd love to hear a little bit of that story. Sure. Because, um, you know, it's, it would just be interesting to see how you were kind of called. Yeah. To what you're doing now. Yeah. No, that's a great question. I, I was just, you asking that question reminded me, I was listening to some marriage, um, marriage counseling stuff and, and they talked about how like that actually is the most central question to deal with in marriage counseling is mm-hmm. like, because right, it's two Christians coming together and you're Christians first. So no, I, I like that question a lot. Um, yeah. So growing up, I mean, I, I grew up in a Christian family and, you know, growing up, um, going to church Sunday school, having that, that framework there, um, was, was really good. And, um, that was God's design. And so I can point back to, um, praying with, uh, with a a dear lady that uh, still attends Jefferson, um, when I was in first grade, um, and, and asking the Lord to, to save me and, um, and then looking ahead a couple of years to, uh, I was baptized in fourth grade. Um, but then like most, uh, I think a lot of, uh, people, at least it seems like it's familiar, a familiar story where those decisions were, um, more or less real. Um, Mm -hmm. I look at it now and I say, no, I think, I think they were valid. Like, because, you know, I didn't understand everything or even a lot of things, um, even about what I was saying, but, um, but that was a foundation of faith that was really important. So I'm grateful to the Lord for for that, like laying that foundation early on. Um, it was probably when my wife and I started dating. Um, we're both from here, so we dated. We're high school sweethearts, and um, her family really challenged me a lot um, it, theologically because uh, we just came from different camps like we we were going through different thoughts and uh so conversations led to i i'm um i i'm uh in my in my less sanctified version i'm pretty combative in me yeah. uh so like you know i'd hear a thought that i didn't like and so my my reaction to that was i would go read what what her family was talking about. So that way I could argue against them. And lo and behold, I ended up being convinced uh, by a lot of the stuff that I read. But that was, that, that was the moment where, um, where it's cool though, because it allows you to like 
It's sharp. That's the sharpening thing. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Out of con- yeah, conflict really is good for us. It it really helps work stuff out. But yeah, so that I I would say late high school was when um, the Lord started uh, showing me that um, faith is really deep and mm. um, knowledge of His Word is something that's good and not bad. Uh, yeah, and that generalizations aren't helpful. But yeah, I think I think what. Um, that's the heat, by the way. We don't have people banging on the door. Yeah. <laughs> Old steam pipes here. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, I, I think there's there there was a kind of a idea floating around for a while that like a heady faith or like more knowledge ends mm-hmm. up leading to a less genuine faith. Mm. Um, yeah. It's too intellect, and then you know, the intellect eventually. Yeah, it doesn't get to the heart. Yeah. So I, I think that was started shifting because I, I think I, I'm more, you know, if there's a scale of like intellectual to emotional, I'm, I'm probably more on the intellectual side, just mm-hmm. how I'm wired. But like my wife will say now that I, I cry more than I used to. So that, I don't know, maybe that's changing. But um, anyway, so that kids too, that could you know? be, man, lose hair and also gain cried. tears. Yeah. I, um, so yeah, that, but that was also about the same time when, um, you know, the, the Lord dealt, I was, I was heavily involved in music. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so leading worship was a part of that, but wanting it, to be acquired. Well, yeah, right. that was the whole yeah. thing. Um, and, uh, one of the things that the Lord did was he convicted me about why I was doing music because it was, I wanted to be in the limelight. Like mm-hmm. I, I liked being in uh kind of center stage. And, um, so that was, that was kind of the start of a pretty, um, pretty big journey for me in terms of turning away from, okay, I'm not the most important thing in the universe. Mm. Um, God actually is the, is the most important thing. And, um, that was a humbling, humbling experience that, that, that led to me stepping away from, um, from music pretty heavily. And, uh, and that to this day, that still is like, uh, grates on me, but, um, but I know that it's, it's okay. And then the Lord redeemed it. So Mm. what was kind of cool, um, Part of that was I, I so I, I, I decided not to go choral music route. I decided to go into to Bible teaching. But at the time, I thought, you know, uh, I really don't want to be on call all the time like pastors are. So I thought, I'm going to teach Bible at a school because then I can clock out at 3.30. Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. still teach the Bible, uh, but not have to deal with Bible people. time, no Bible time. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that'd be yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just all the, all the Bible, none of the people. Um, and then, uh, again, that pride, the, uh, the Lord used a couple key influential people in my life and to convince me that that was indeed sin, (laughs) a sinful mentality to have. And that, uh, the Lord really would, um, have me, uh, be a part of people's lives because the Bible actually has people on the other end of it. Right. Um, so then went from teaching the, the thought was I was going to teach in a, in a classroom to, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to head toward pastoral ministry. Um, you know, God's got a sense of humor. So then a couple years into that process, I ended up, uh, teaching Bible while pastoring and, uh, conducting the choir at the school that I was teaching oh, at. Wow. So it was kind of like all a, the whole mix. It was a full circle, which was was God's kindness really cuz yeah. you know he just showed like that it doesn't actually mean those things die um yeah. but when people when things are in their right order uh the Lord opens up a ton of opportunity yeah and he he puts those desires in your heart 
for a reason, and it may take time before it all gets fulfilled and shown. And for sure, yeah. yep. So it sounds like it was kind of a slow, and not slow, but like just continually moving towards yeah a destination. Yeah, gradual. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, you know, I don't have like, right, like we, I don't have the big like Damascus road. Like, right. you know, I was at church camp and, you know, all the, the lights turned on. Like I didn't, I didn't have anything like that. I hit my rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But I, I've come to learn, um, I think in the last, I don't know, several years that, that that's, that, that those types of experiences are great and they're God honoring and yeah. I'm grateful for it. But also like the, I grew up in a Christian home. Like I knew the gospel from the time that I that's could a, um, hear. <laughs> That's right. a blessing, right? No, That's not the bad. You were abused. Right, right? exactly, Just, right. Yeah. Yeah, Christian so it does, parents are good. It may not be as, yeah, when you get on the, and you're talking about your testimony, it's not as exciting. Yeah. But. They're not going to make a movie out of that. Right. But. Maybe. Also, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Right. And you went to Sunday school. Yeah. And then next week, you went to Sunday school. Yeah. 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 Great story. Slow line. grind of Sunday school. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I uh <clears throat> Do you think there was ever like a, a light bulb moment? Um, and the reason why I ask you that is I remember one time for me, my personal journey, I remember, um, I mean, I also was young when mm-hmm. I accepted Christ, but there was a moment where I'm like, yeah, this is real where mm. I knew it was real, all this stuff, but I had, I can, I'm thinking back to my early twenties where it was a very distinct, like. I believe this. Like I yeah. know it's been it's been part of my family. It's been part of this stuff, but this is where it kind of almost became yeah, like I said, a light bulb. Sure. Gone and everything started to get illuminated a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know if, that's my experience. So I don't know if there was a time for you that could be yeah. different. So I think time frame for sure. I don't I mean I can't like point to a date, but um I can think of a time frame in like freshman year of college where, you know, all of the uh all of the theological tension with uh, with my in-laws that was a good thing, um, kind of fruited into, um, like I said, the, the repentance of I'm not the most important thing God is. Um, so, and I think, I think he does that. I think God uses the combination of, uh, repentance, turning away from something and turning towards something, um, as, as moments. So, you know, I was, I was turning away from having a me centered world. Mm. Um, and, and then, but I think one of the, I don't know, one of the, the key aspects of that was um, learning that genuine faith um, can be intellectual. Uh, you know, like Jesus said, to love God with all your mind. Uh, you know, that's a part of that, the the greatest commandment. Because um, I think I think growing up, and again, I don't, uh, generalizations aren't usually helpful, but I, I, my experience was that... Um, you know, I, 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 it seemed like I needed to have some like constant emotional, you know, like spontaneous, uh, sort of thing. And I chased that for a while. Um, you know, even like worship music, the way that I would think through that is like, okay, if we, if we repeat this chorus, you know, three times, then that's really going to get the spirit moving and people mm-hmm. are going to like experience the emotion that's added. And I'm not, the scriptures repeat songs. I mean, David repeats. Yeah. So I'm not saying repetition by itself, but you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. that, that was genuine. That faith. was the formula in a way, or this is the yeah. way to do it. Yeah. Or like worship. Yeah. Like the Lord is pleased with that worship. And if I go read my Bible or like read a book on theology or something, that's all preparation for that, that emotional mm-hmm. worship where reality is that 
um, you know, me reading, sitting and reading a, a book about, you know, any topic of theology, that's actually an act of worship. Yeah. Um, it's, it's strengthening your relationship. Yeah, it is. Well, and like, you know, we're wired differently. So, you know, for me, who's, who's wired that way, um, of course, God wants me to, to offer that as my worship, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I think that was, that was kind of a turning point where, where I felt like, um, like w- the way that I'm wired can actually be used in genuine worship to the Lord. Because that's, that's really like, I think what every human heart, whether we acknowledge it or not, whatever human heart wants is to please God. I yeah. mean, that's, we're his creatures. So that's what we're called to do is to love and, obey, you know, yeah. and glorify him. Right. So, I mean, he, I mean so that's yeah. innate in us. Exactly. Yeah. So when you find out like, hey, actually the way God created me, like I can worship him in a way that's pleasing to him. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, so yeah, I think that that probably like senior year high school into freshman year college. When that and started beyond. to like make a little bit more sense, yeah. you didn't feel like weird about doing right. the things that you enjoyed and loved. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's yep. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> That's very interesting. Um, I'm gonna switch a little bit and go back to something you mentioned right at the start, mm-hmm. which was um, education. Some yeah. of the stuff you got into. <laughs> Uh, I know during COVID there was a real look at doing some of the homeschool stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about that and then now kind of what you're going into. Yeah. 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 So, um, COVID land was, (laughs) uh, was nuts. Um, I had been teaching at, um, at a, a smaller Christian school in Goshen here prior to COVID and then, you know, everything shut down. Um, and that was a, it was a, is a weird time. And also I think, right. Like any crisis, there's some good and some bad that oh, came yeah. out of it. We learned a lot of lessons. Um, you know, technology was a blessing at that point where, you know, we could still carry on the best that we could, um, in that, uh, in that time. But, um, yeah, one of the one of the convictions, and I, I would say I I, I knew this um, before we got to that point, but a conviction that was really solidified when everybody was at home was that no, actually, like education is the parent's job. Mm. Um, the Lord uh, gives children to parents in order to disciple and train them, and you know what happened was. COVID actually like forced education to happen in the home where it hadn't had, again, generalization, it hadn't been that way for a long time where education right. happened in a building somewhere else. It wasn't the norm. Kids it on. wasn't the norm. Exactly. And then all of a sudden it was the norm. Right. Yeah. So, and we have a, you know, there's something when you're like, when you're, uh, when you're faced with something like in front of you, when it's placed in your lap, you have to decide what to do with it. So <laughs> I saw a bunch of people um, deciding after they kind of went through that, we, we got through the whole, you know, how do we do this school thing? Can we keep kids on track as best we can through the COVID? And then at the backside of that, I saw a lot of parents just kind of looking at each other and saying, okay, wait a minute. We just, we did this for the last however many months it was. Um, and at the same time, you know, there's the public school, there was a lot of kind of realization of what was being taught to their kids and they're realizing that's not what we want our kids to learn. So there was again, that conflict that kind of led to 
um, we'll make, we'll, we should look at this again. So, um, that was when, uh, I, I created a, a, um, an organization at the time called Indiana homeschool connection, because what I saw was, uh, a lot of people were exiting schools, not just public schools, but even like Christian schools were exiting the school environment and headed toward homeschooling. Um, and there, there was already such a rich homeschool environment in our area. Yeah. I mean, there's resources there, are, there are, there are teachers here that have been teaching in the homeschool world for decades. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're just killing it. And yet homeschooling has this kind of innate quality to it where, uh, they'll be doing that in somebody's basement and nobody will know about it. Right. <laughs> right? Like yeah. nobody else. So there's, uh, I, in fact, one of the, one of the light bulb moments in that realm was, um, I found this, uh, this bookstore, homeschool curriculum bookstore, uh, that was operating online only out of this, this basement of a couple, couple moms that were running this business and nobody knew about it. Like most of their business came from Canada (laughs) and and there's like homeschoolers that are right down the road, didn't know it existed. And there's a lot of factors into that. But anyway, so that's my goal was to try to just make connections and say, hey, like they're doing this class over here. Right. These people need that. Can you guys pair up, help each other out? Um, So we did that for a little while. And part of one of my main goals in doing that was to educate parents to um, to help folks realize that no, education is the parent's responsibility. Mm-hmm. You can partner with a lot of different resources to do it, but parents have to realize that you're the one like, guiding it. Yeah. It's my, it's my job. Um, so, uh, I think homeschooling is really great for that. Um, during that process and kind of in the, in the one I was still teaching school, I started asking some pretty big questions though about education in general. And part of it was my own experience. So I, um, went to a, a a local public school here uh, that shall remain nameless, I guess. I don't know if that needs to, but, um, right. It doesn't start with an F. Um, and I had a great experience. I loved it. I loved the community. I grew up in the community. My family went there. My mom and dad went there. Like I had some of the same teachers as they did. Like it's, it's where I'm from. Yeah. Um, Is that where you met your wife? That's where I met my wife. Uh, you know, so I've got a lot of, a lot of, um, connection there, but, I was, um, I graduated one of six valedictorians of a class of 144. Hmm. Um, and I realized even at that moment when, when we graduated, I realized this, but just kind of forgot it for a while. I was the absolute least qualified person to be on that stage. And this isn't like false humility. I was, I was a valedictorian right next to a person who, scored like threes and fours on multiple AP exams. Oh, wow. And I didn't take a single AP exam. <laughs> like I, I, I didn't do any of that stuff. And yet like we were kind of together. And then at some point I realized, um, you know, I graduated valedictorian without reading most books in their entirety. Like somehow I figured out <laughs> how, how to get away with it, how yeah. to do that, how to take Cliff, tests Cliff, no, really well. And yeah. yeah like, um, and I was really dissatisfied with that. Mm. Like I got on the backside and I started realizing the education that I missed out on. And I'm sure that that would, you know, I'll take responsibility. It was, it was, you know, I had great teachers. I'm yeah. sure that if I did what they told me to, I wouldn't be as bad as, uh, as what it was. But, um, yeah, so I started realizing the education that I missed out on and, and started 
asking why that is and what, what actually did I miss? And so I was introduced to, um, what's called classical Christian education, um, really classical education, but then from a Christian worldview. And, um, it was basically everything that I felt like I should have had, but didn't. So, um, yeah, so started, uh, doing some research on what that is and, um, come to find out like a lot of things, um, it was the, it, it was the way that most humans in the Western world have been educated for like over a thousand years. <laughs> it's, it's, it was the norm of education, but it's been removed, but it's been, yeah, it's been removed and or changed. Like diluted. Well, so it's, it's a totally different mentality than like what, um, what American, particularly American education, uh, is. So, um, classical education, it, there's both a method and a content when it comes to like what classical is. So the, the, the content is like the classics. So you're reading things from like Greek and Roman era, mm. you know, Iliad, um, Odyssey, uh, you're reading things like Augustine's confessions, you know, some of these works of literature that have just stood the test of time right. and have been really have shaped, uh, Western culture. Um, you're going back and reading those things, um, reading them in the original languages. And there's a piece to that that I can talk about in a minute. But um, so the content, you're, you're studying the classics. The method, the classical method goes through on the, at least in the first stage, kind of three, um, three stages where you're doing grammar, logic and rhetoric. Um, grammar is not just like English grammar. It's basically the, the basics of every subject. So like grammar of geography would be learning river names and country Mm. names and continent names. Um, and then you go to logic, which is like, how do, how do those pieces relate to each other? So you're talking about how does, uh, that river relate to, uh, that battle that was fought right next to it. What's the relationship between those two things? Uh, and then that moves to rhetoric where you're now you're turning to say, how do I communicate what I learned here or what I think about that relationship? How do I communicate that the best way that I can? Mm. Um, what, how do I persuasively argue? How do I uh, get my hearers to track with me? And how, how can I, how can I actually advance ideas in the world? Um, so that that's the that's the method um, of of a classical education, and that's what I like. I was I was realizing was um, you know my students that I taught I had great great kids um, great students a lot of them are doing some pretty cool things now, um, and they're I I think I, I don't know it'd be interesting to ask some of them now if they had that moment where like man but I missed something, um, I think a huge piece of it was missing the grammar stage, um, in education. Which is the base layer. It is. Yeah. And, and this is where I think the, the two like public school or like American Christian education or American public education versus classical education can kind of be compared. Um, classic education assumes you need to memorize things before you can think about things. Hmm. Public education talks about memorization as, the lowest form of learning and therefore the worst form of learning. So don't memorize stuff. Don't have your students memorize things because that's actually like, that's the lowest form. You'd rather have them critically think about things. But I realized you can't actually critically think about anything unless if you have things to think about. 
uh, you have to have the content before you can, before you can do something with it. Um, so that was kind of, I, I think that was the main stepping point for me was, okay, yeah, let's go back. And then we were right. We, so we, we've got our oldest is seven now. So, you know, we're in this process of educating, what does education look like for him? And we're homeschooling, but we're using a classical curriculum where he is, I mean, the kid is just memorizing content like crazy. I mean, totally just pumping stuff in his brain, but that's where they're at. Like, that's what young kids brain does is it's a sponge. It just sucks all this stuff in. Um, And then, you know, Lord willing, uh, the, the, the idea is that he'll have that stored away uh, so that when he gets to the point where he's a junior higher and wants to argue about everything. He has those, that library. He just, exactly. That's cool. Cause it gives you the framework for what, for what he can memorize. Cause I think <clears throat> you're right. Their brain is a sp- sponge and they're going to memorize anything. Yeah. But if you don't have a structure, they're going to just be like, okay, well this is Roblox and all of the <laughs> details of Minecraft. Yeah, you know what right, I mean? Exactly. Which, there's, I mean, and we're seeing that yep. kids know so much about that stuff yep. and they're a sponge. And so that's what they're memorizing. It's, it's just way interesting for them too. But yep. if you have like a way, a box, mm-hmm. um, guidelines and you're like, and, and memorize this stuff, right. you're, you're putting them 10 steps ahead. Yeah. They're going to memorize stuff. <clears throat> like they're going to memorize stuff. I can remember like George Strait songs that my mom listened to in the car, taking me to preschool that yeah. I've never listened to since then. <laughs> yeah. And yet it comes on the radio somewhere and I can sing the whole thing, wow. you know, like your brain, your brain does that. So yeah, I, that's part of my role, I think as a parent and us as parents, um, is to be the ones that decide, you know, and, and shape and form and, uh, give our kids, okay, here's what should be in your brain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's I. Mm. Um, that's the main. I'm I'm pretty fascinated by that. And then when I find out too that, uh, yeah, like the founding fathers of our country, this is how they were educated. Yeah, you if you said for, you know most of the Western world. Yeah, exactly. Like that. It wasn't until wow. you know like late 1800s, yeah. mid to late 1800s, and early 1900s. Factory workers. Yeah. Let's, let's read. Yeah. So that's where you know like I was uh, I was looking through um, a book that is just kind of talking about what classical education, um, and his name is Martin Cothran. And he said, he put it this way that today's education teach students what to think and how to do Hmm. where classical education teaches students how to think and what to do. So, you know, there's a, yeah, it's a flip flop. Yeah, it is. It's a total flip flop where now it's about, um, you know, progress, um, you know, the, the content of what we're learning is all about pro- progressing to the next stage. Um, which means that we think newer is better, mm. old is worse. So let's, you know, let's move past the old thoughts of history and move forward into the new thoughts. Um, and then pragmatism, which is like whatever works best. So like, yeah, if we need, if we need factory workers right now, then we're going to push vocational training right. as education. If we need you know, nurses or, you know, medical staff, we're going to push the sciences, uh, you know, and, and have, so it's more pragmatic based. Whereas classical said like, no, what's it, what's it actually like to be a person? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's virtuous, you know, what, what's right and wrong. Um, cause people will learn the sciences if they need to They'll yeah. learn the skills if they, you know what I mean? Let's, if you teach somebody how to think 
then you can they can apply those principles principles to any subject yeah. and excel. That's why you had guys going to Harvard when they were 14 wow. back in the founding era, you know, yeah. because they were taught how to do this. So then then you just okay, well here's here's your textbook for you know political science, go and run with it. Right. You know, and it's just and then they're like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Right. Wow. That's yeah. wild to 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 the fact that you had to almost reconstruct your your education to even start thinking about that. Yeah. Well, and it's cra- it's crazy too. So like a goal that we have is to eventually start a classical Christian school here in Goshen, which again, some people would be like, okay, there's three Christian schools within driving distance of Goshen. Why would you do that? Because it is a totally different mentality. It's, you know, we're, I, I praise God for those schools that, yeah. you know, that parents have an option um, to, to have that Christian environment. And yet like there's something qualitatively different about um, the educational model of classical education versus um, the other schools. I want to push back on those parents. I mean, yeah. don't mean to be mean about that stuff, but I've seen the same kids go through Christian schools and be worse, the same or worse, right. and make the same decisions as the kids in public school. Yeah. But the only difference is your parents are paying ex- extremely more money for yeah. the <laughs> right. for the same results. Right. And so, you know, I understand that, yeah. I, I, I've i just seen that over yeah. and over and yep. over again. Yep. Like it doesn't, they think it's a solution where I don't, I don't, I personally don't think it is. Sure. So yeah, that's my opinion. I'm not putting that on you. Huh? No, no, I'm good. I, I'm, but, I'm, I'm tracking with you because there's a difference between, in my opinion too, there, there's a difference between an education that, um, that assumes at the first place that, um, that this is God's world. And so everything in God's world should be understood through God's word and saying, uh, no, this is what this is what the world is like, and then kind of sprinkle. And this is this is this is cheap, but like sprinkling Bible classes on top of that. Yeah. Like, okay, you need to learn all the stuff that the public school is is teaching you, but then we'll have a Bible class. Yeah. And I, I will was, say, I don't think any of the schools around here are doing it that at that level. Like, there's some really good biblical worldview training happening, but it's interesting because I was just talking to someone whose dad was a Bible professor. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to be a Bible professor. And his coworker was like, Well, just don't teach it well. And I'll put get a new one. Don't worry about it. <laughs> At a Christian school. And, and it's like, you know, and that wasn't right. one around here, but it was just sure. interesting to hear. Like, I wonder how many, I, you know, that, that, that doesn't f- seem far fetched for me. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's our goal. I mean, eventually we want to have, I mean, and I'm talking, like, I'm looking at my kids. I want there to be a rigorous, um, academically focused, um, classical Christian school that I can send my kids to and put them through to train them so that, so that they're prepared. Cause I think it's the best way that I can help prepare them for the world that they're going to face. Um, and so I don't know you know, what our time type timetable is for that. But when they, yeah, it might be when you might as in high school, right? It may be, you know, we, it's, it's, I'm just one. I, this made me think about something. I I had a guy on my podcast and, um, he was talking about, uh, his parents wanted to send him to a, uh, a higher level education. So they sent him to the Catholic school. Yeah. I never think about St. John's right down the road. Yeah. And there, and he said, when I got out of high school, Went to college. I went in and I realized 
my level of learning mm-hmm. was already so much far surpassed yeah. the people who were in college with me. Yep. Like I was used to, like they came in, write a three page paper. And he's like, okay, I've been writing 20 pages exactly. in high school. Right. You know? And so it's just, I never, th- yeah, it's, it's yeah. crazy to think that, but that's, um, I think there's a really cool connection there, um, that, that he experienced too. Um, because you're, I think you're right that like Catholic schools, um, church run schools are more likely to have held on to some of the principles of classical education mm-hmm. than other schools have. Um, now I, I, again, right. That, yeah, I, I guess I didn't count, uh, St. John's, but that would definitely count in. There I never the, think about it. Right. But that's the Protestant. There. Right. But yeah. <laughs> right. And we shouldn't, I mean, that's they're they're uh, yeah, they're there, but, yeah. um, but I think that's, that's another key piece for me, um, with education too. And, and maybe one of the differences between a school that we would, uh, that we would start in one of the schools that, ex- that are existing with St. John's being the exception is that I think the church actually should care a lot about education. You know, we've, so in the first place, uh, you know, it's parents' responsibility, but what's the church's role? Well, you know, we're supposed to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So if you're a parent, part of your ministry is educating your kids, raising them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and, you know, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Like that's, that's part of what parenting is. Um, so then the church's role is to come in and support parents in doing that mm. and to equip parents to do that. So what's one way that we could do that? Well, we could provide a school that we all agree on, you know, we're, we're all coming from the same place. Um, you know, that we say here, we want to partner with you parents, uh, not taking your place. Um, in fact, we're, we are as, as when we have your kids, um, at the school, we are basically just, um, uh, kind of stepping in for you in that moment. Mm. Um, and yet you're still the parents. So, you know, it's a closer connection to the church than, than maybe what some, and a, a couple of the schools here still have, somewhat of a connection to the church, but, yeah. um, I think, a, a, a really deep rooted connection is a good thing. And, and I think, you know, like the Catholic schools, those, those would be a good example of how that you can sustain a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's interesting. Well, um, I got one more question. Maybe we can wrap it up. Sounds good. We've gone for a little bit, which is good. So such a good combo. Yeah. Um, you know, th- this kind of came out of, as we've been talking, um, it's just it's interesting to see a lot of our generation uh, maybe taking a step away from the church. Mm. Now there are people who are wanting to be re who are reengaging. Yeah, uh, but I think that I just think of a lot of my friends who grew I grew up with in the church who are kind of doing their own thing. Sure. Um, why do you think that is? What do you what what? Mm. Why is there just kind of that vibe? And maybe that's just me picking up on it. No, I think I think you're onto something. Um, yeah, I I mean it it's right there's people that are that are taking that step away so that means that the reasons why are just as numerous as the people. Right, yeah. There's no one reason. Right, but I think I think as we especially because of like things like social media, we can kind of create a uh, somewhat of a plot graph with these folks and we start hearing thim- similar themes mm-hmm. um surface and you know and I think there's probably a couple of different camps. One, I'll speak from experience to some folks that, um, that we're in community with. I think there's one camp, um, 
where we look at uh, the Christianity that we grew up with that was, you know, our parents' Christianity. Um, you know, in our parents' Christianity, if you look just kind of sociologically, this is the birth of the megachurch movement. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the this is when, um, you know, they kind of went in their earlier days, they were a part of the Jesus culture thing where um, that, that was a reaction against the sort of like fundamental, fundamental mm-hmm. um, structured dead, you know, all those labels that we'd slap on it, liturgical, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so right. We shift back and forth um, a lot. So I think in our generation, we're seeing some, some younger people say, okay, um, I missed out on some, some depth because, you know, and, and this is me, I, you know, I, I thought that true faith was, uh, you know, just a relationship with Jesus, you know, personal, um, you know, not, it didn't have to be like heady. It was all about the heart, you know, um, all emotions. Yeah. All yeah. emotions. Um, you know, I, I would use the term like fluff and I, I want to mm-hmm. be careful because I don't want to like cast any shade on any, you know, the people that, that introduced me to Jesus, <laughs> you know, so that that's, it's hard to, to have this conversation in your community. Um, but I think there's a lot of folks that our age that are looking at that and saying, but I'm not, I'm not so sure that, that I know how to stand on solid footing in our day and age mm. with that foundation. I think I need something more than what I was given as a, um, as a kid. Um, and emotions don't help you combat, just the 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 I mean lies, yeah, thrown around a ton. Yeah, you can just get sway from thing to thing to thing. Exactly, and just fall. On, it's like a swell, right? You know, up and down. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. So I I see a lot of young people um, reviving into like an interest in into theology and um, uh, wanting uh, more of like a coming. Well, this is what I, you know. There's a there's a big movement I think within our our generation of people that are going back to things like the Catholic Church or Eastern Orthodoxy, mm-hmm. because all of a sudden we we realize, hey, actually, I don't think I have the right to reinvent my faith however I want it to be. Like, mm-hmm. I and we we want something that's deeper rooted. We want something that is um, more lasting. Uh, yeah. So I think there's it's some been of that. around for years. Yeah, and sustained. And and, sustained. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's some really there's some good stuff in as a part of that. Um, you know, there that's 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 where I'm at. I think where, uh, and so I think we kind of will congregate. I think there's also you know there's a, a good group of um, uh, Jesus followers in our generation that still wouldn't um, go to a, like a a more doctrinal or heady. Um, tradition um and yet still are are trying to figure out what is it that i need to manage through this world because things are things are nuts i mean yeah you look through world history things have always been there's been times where things have always been nuts right like it's it's not like we're the only people who have ever dealt with like crazy immorality or like weird social stuff it's happened but I would, I, I've heard a lot of people say that like the pace of the weirdness is really kind of uncanny for our day. Mm. And so I think whatever it is, like we got to figure out, okay, how can, how can we just last and survive and hold on to faith and family and traditions and, you know, and so I think, I think there's a good. Hold on to truth. 
Yeah. You know, I, I was just, uh, I mean, I, this is a guy's probably my, my last kind of thought on the whole thing was, was what you just said was truth. You know, like we live in a world that says, uh, you do you, mm-hmm. uh, they say like, that's your truth. That's not my truth. Um, yeah, I, when I was teaching, I had this, I was at target one day and, uh, in that cheap section, there was this mirror that like a, you could hang up in your locker and it had etched on it, live your truth. Mm-hmm. So the idea was, you know, you could wake up in the morning, you could look at yourself in that mirror and be reminded, Hey, I'm going to go out today and live my truth. Well, that's totally opposite to what the Bible says, because I mean, Jesus said, I am the truth. Um, he, he prayed to the Father, your word is truth. It's not your word is true, as if there's like some other standard of truth out there and the word measures up to it. No, the word is actually the standard. Your word is truth. And that's a solid foundation, right? Like something that's outside of us that is that is the truth. Um, take that away and say, no, actually, you get to define truth. Well, then of course we're all heading in a thousand different directions because if I'm the one that decides what's true, then I have no, I have no other connection with anybody else mm. because it's ultimately just up to me and that's not how we were created. So in the foundations on your emotions. Yeah. Which is well, right. Because like I can have some bad pizza one night and have like a, yeah. a, 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 the same sort of physiological response. Where'd you get like, that pizza from? That's yeah. the question. Oh, right? Hey, yeah. Maybe that's the, the, the closer question. Best pizza in Goshen. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, that is, yeah, that's tough. Mm. I mean, cause you got, I will say, come back to the pizza. Yeah. Great, great point. Yeah. But you got all your chains and you got your non-chains. Yes. And so. Where did I just see? There's, a, oh, Syracuse. There's a new pizza place. I think oh. Momo's or something like that. You gotta oh. try, I got to try that one out. Yeah, I got to try that out too. But. I like Massimo's. It's good. Yeah. Gracie's is good too. Yeah. Venturi's is nice, but it's expensive. Yeah, that's it's a treat. It's not like a, you go and get it every weekend. Yeah. You know, yeah. Unless yeah. you're a high roller, but. Yeah, that's 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 not us, but man, I like that uh, prosciutto y fungi pizza. That's yeah. that's where it's at. Yeah, yep. good stuff. Well, Austin, man, this has been fun. Thanks for coming yeah. on the podcast. Uh, where can people find you? Reach you at? Where are you every Sunday? Maybe sure. Just- yeah. Well, Goshen First Brethren Church, two fifteen West Clinton Street, right downtown. Um, every Sunday, and we have Wednesday Wednesday stuff going on. Soup night on Wednesday. I encourage people just to come eat around the table with us, cool. um, and then permeating Bible study after that. Uh, I just got on the X, if that's how it's called. Um, So my, I think my handle is, uh, what is it? Growing Steady 13. Okay. Growing Steady 13. Uh, Facebook, Austin Carissa Kaufman. You can follow us on there um, or just uh, Goshen First Brethren on Facebook as well. Um, Yeah, but best thing would be just to uh, hit the brew up sometime like mid to late week i'm almost always going to be there in the afternoon yeah working huh <laughs> yeah that's my spot so love it yeah well awesome Thanks man thank you so on. much for coming on yeah uh we'll catch you guys on the next Timmons podcast peace